Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here this morning with Vicki and our special guest from Florida, (laughs) Connie Albert. Hi, Connie. Hey, ladies. How are you today? We are, well, we are colder than you are probably because we're up north and you're down south. I don't know. I I have to tell you, we're getting all these warnings of iguanas falling from trees because they're cold-blooded. So <laughs> it's pretty cold down here right now. We we get like three, we get like three days of winter and we're having them. Okay. <laughs> well, our hearts go out to Connie and the iguanas who are falling from the trees from the cold. <laughs> what a great day. <laughs> up in Florida and I never had an iguana fall on me. So I'm just <laughs> going out for a walk and they're dropping on you. So all, the, all, all these homeschool families are getting a his you know getting a science lesson on what happens to cold blooded creatures and especially iguanas. I you know it's it's in the news. Um I know that um it's been a it's been you know a really interesting the way God made those animals and uh, you know, they don't die. They don't freeze to death. They just go into a comatose state. And then when their body warms up, they pop back up and get on with life. Yeah. is that amazing? <laughs> it is. It really is. All right. Well, that's not what we talked. That's not what we wanted to talk about, but there we go. We've added a, a little science lesson in there. It kind of is. We're going to use it as a segue. We're going to say, so sometimes homeschool life doesn't follow the exact path you thought it would. And while you may not go into a coma and fall out of a tree, you might find that you have to learn and adjust and, and deal with circumstances that you weren't expecting along the way. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your homeschooling journey, Connie, with your family? Because my understanding is that it, it was not perfectly predictable and, and followed a big set of rules and expected outcomes at every moment, right? Oh, that is exactly right. So I have five children and we had five children in seven years. So it was really busy, uh, especially when we entered the tween teen years. We had we had many, many years of five teens. And, you know, you set out on this course and you get in your mind what it's going to look like. And you think, if I just do A, B, and C, then there's a predictable outcome. They're, the children are going to be, oh, mom, what are we going to study today? And, you know, mom, I just love getting up every morning and doing science or history or math. Um, and calculus is my favorite thing. however you know uh they enter those high school years and they don't always wake up happy um they don't always want to do school and for our family um i really think it's important for parents to become a student of their children and so what i often talk about and segue into hey you know the iguanas don't fall from the trees but when you know what the temperament of your child is and when you know what gets them going and how you can successfully help them, then the pushback and the resistance and the rebellion uh, is minimized. And so that's kind of what I set out to do was really get to know the heart of my child and get to know where their strengths and weaknesses were and understand what was going on around them. And so when we would hit pitfalls or hiccups or snags or glitches or attitudes, 
that, you know, we'd all like to adjust them and fix them in five minutes like we did when they were little. Um, you know, it takes longer to walk alongside those tweens and teens and high school's harder and the concepts are more complicated and they can feel defeated and not very smart. And especially in my case, having five kids, some children naturally learned and some children struggled and they would feel like they were standing in the wrong line when smarts was handed out. Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> No, you you are uniquely gifted and skilled and we have to cultivate we have to first discover, then we have to develop, and then we have to cultivate the gifts that God has given you so that you can become the person God's made you to be, not like your brother or your sister or like mom or like dad. Connie, I, I, you gave me so many sound bites. You know, I'm always trying to grab sound bites out of the episodes and turn them into Instagram memes. So <laughs> I've got so many our our show notes are gonna be full of them. So Talk about how you discovered your kids. Like, how did you walk with them and figure out what each of them were like personality and needs and educationally? Yeah. So I started very young when the kids were younger and I started with observation. I think it's important for your listeners to understand and I would encourage them to write this down. Observe the little things they do. Observe the little things that you see them serve, areas you see them serving in. Do they give up that last M&M? Do they share half of their sandwich? Do they invite one of their siblings to come in and help with a project? Or are they always trying to get somebody else to do their project? Um, become a student and of them and write that down. So uh, observe it. For me, I put together a notebook and I just had every child's name on, you know, in a file. And I would write down little things because with me having, a, you know, many kids, I couldn't remember it all. You know, I was trying to, you know, figure out what was for dinner, not, you know, all that other stuff. So I would just write it down. I would notice that this child always has an encouraging word for somebody. And I would just write that down. This child is really good that I see of taking complex problems. Maybe there's a quarrel or a fight between two siblings, or maybe they disagreed with, with me or my husband, but they would, they, would be, they would easily be able to break it down and communicate how they felt, how they felt wronged, or how they felt offended. And they could communicate that to it. And I would just write down has a really good ability to articulate their feelings. Little, little things that we could miss along the way if we weren't paying attention. So after I would observe, then I would start noticing what could they spend their time doing all day and they might skip lunch or they might get so distracted they forget to finish math and maybe not because they wanted to not finish math, but because they were delighting in where their daydreams or where their thoughts were taking them. And it led them down a completely different path of wondering. I would write that stuff down. And as they, as they grew and matured, I would plant seeds of possibilities. Like, you know, I noticed this about you. Have you considered those little phrases? I noticed this about you. And, and not, I noticed that you're really selfish. I'm not talking about that. But I notice you're giving. I notice you're generous. I notice that you seem to want to fact check me every time I speak. <laughs> so um, that could be viewed as a negative, but you know, right. that could be viewed as a positive. Or we, we wouldn't want to say, I notice that you're, you know, you are just really manipulative. Maybe we could change the words that we say and say, you know, I notice that you are very persuasive. Oh my goodness, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So when we when we really stop to pay attention, we observe them, we pay attention, and then we think about how we want to frame the words that we say so they fall into a tender place of our child's heart. 
Um, some children are leaders; they're natural born leaders, and parents can. And you know that means they want to they want to rule mom and dad. I mean, you probably have a couple kids that could tell you exactly yes. how you needed to do things. I did, and I would tell my and I would just say, you know, you you are really persuasive. That is a gift. If it's used wrongly, it could become manipulation or conniving or you know sneaky. But if it's identified and it's channeled in the right way and they start to see themselves as persuaders, they can persuade, they can influence, they can influence others, they can become the leader per se that God made them to be. Not every child has that skill, but those are things that they are hardwired with. And as a mom and a dad, it's important for us to identify those key indicators of how God made them. And then show them where they can use them for God's glory or and for their future vocation or within the family unit uh, in general. And when we do that, they're less resistant. Again, I kind of come back to that because I know our topic is on the relationships. When they see that we are standing on the sidelines, paying attention, and at the right time, it's like a, a marathon, you know, they're about exhausted. They're, they're running out of steam and gas. And, and all of a sudden, they're, they're climbing that last hill. And they see you ha- you with a sign or a cup of cold water saying, you can do it. It's only a few more, it's only a few more steps or, you know, we're here cheering you on or make sure to breathe or whatever it is that infuses them with courage and bravery and strength and the determination to dig deeper and persevere. So really that, that you see yourself as a parent as a scientist, like an observer, and as a guide. Yeah. I mean, and when the children are little, you know, we, we do establish the rules, the limits, and the boundaries. And for many parents, that's quite easy. We, t- we don't want them to touch the, the stove. We don't want them to put the screwdriver in the light socket. We don't want them to ride their bike in the street. Um, and so we put these rules, limits, and boundaries around for their safety and their protection and for the home to function smoothly, right? But then as they get older, they start pushing back. Why? Are they pushing back because they don't like mom and dad or they don't like their siblings? No, they're pushing back because they're trying to do this, this really hard, difficult thing called growing up. And they hit the transition years of where do I assert myself? When can I be, you know, when can I say that sarcastic comment and it land right instead of coming off as rude or disrespectful? When can, when can I make my own decision? And then if I make my own decision, what am I going to hear as a result of that? So in a sense, we're, I kind of, you said a researcher, I guess that's right. I think of like an archaeologist, yeah. you know how they, they go out and they're digging. And as a parent, we're digging for the, the, the treasures within our children, the things that make our children so unique, so, so special, so one of a kind. And then we help polish it up so that find that that nugget that we found starts to shine brilliantly. And that takes a process of kind of chipping away the the dirt that may be on there or, you know, the stuff that shouldn't be there and then polishing it up. And that polishing just takes time and intentionality and repetition. But as they start to say, hey, I want to make my own decision. That's where we can get into conflict with our children. No, do as I say, I am your parent. I love those comments. You know, I use like, I'm the mother here. But, you know, if we want to get, if we have the end in mind of what we want with our children when they're 18 and, you know, they're out of the house or they're in college and they really technically don't have to do everything we tell them to do, what kind of relationship do we want then? And 
I, I think this is the key is parenting toward the beginning of that season. It doesn't mean we're not mom and dad. It doesn't mean we throw out the rules because people have often said, so do you just let the rules go in high school? I'm like, no, they still need them. They still need to know that, you know, they can't just take the car whenever they want it. They can't just come home whenever they feel. They can't just, you know, do whatever it is they want to do whenever they want to do it. I mean, truthfully, none of us get to do that. I know, right? That's not fair, but true, yeah. I love that the title of your book is Parenting Beyond the Rules, because right from the title, um, you're you're acknowledging the fact that those rules are important, and they are a piece of the puzzle, but they are definitely not the end of the Mm -hmm. story. And and I love that that you are so clearly bringing those two things together. We're not just to be our kid's best friend. We're not just to be their playmate or cheerleader. We're still the parent, but that that the relationship there is much more than a list of rules. Yes, and I call that mastering the art of the pivot. At some point as we go every day within our daily activities, we have to make decisions. And that is, where do I need to toe the line? You know, where do I need to enforce? And when do I when can I say, you know what? I have taught and trained you from the time you were little. You know our values, you know our beliefs, you know what's right and wrong. Sometimes kids have to make decisions that aren't good decisions. Maybe they hurt themselves. And I don't mean from a physical standpoint, you know, we don't, we don't allow self-harm and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe they stayed up one too many nights in a row doing stuff like activities they were interested in. And they didn't, you know, fully prepare for that exam they should have prepared for. Well, it doesn't take too many times of bombing an exam before they realize, hmm, that might not be the best way to go. And so when, it, when they start to transition, which is I call master the art of the pivot, as your teen grows and changes, we change. And I write in the book that it's not that we become wishy-washy and not, you know, just kind of like, hey, whatever you want to do, like I said earlier, but it's really about understanding the child and understanding that they have a calling and a purpose on their life and that God has given us these children to shape, form, and fashion them so that they can step into that and they're fully equipped for their their assignment, their next assignment, whether that's college or the marketplace or you know a career, um, a father, a mother, a spouse, that we prepare them for that. So when I talk about parenting beyond the rules, there are certain rules that are non-negotiable, and that is a child's safety, that they don't do anything that could bring self-harm or that they don't do anything that could endanger others. So there are rules to the road, so to speak, you know, when you are allowed to use the car, when you aren't, when you are allowed to play those video games, when the lights do have to be on, when you do have to be off of those screens and the screens need to be in the kitchen or on lockdown mode or whatever it is. So there are rules because there are rules for you and I, we cannot just get on the highway and drive however we feel like driving today because we're just in the mood to drive super fast. We run the risk of, you know, getting an accident or getting a ticket. So we all live under authority. And that's where we help our children realize that they will always live under authority, that freedom is never totally free without the freedom of, you know, we have freedom, but there still comes with that freedom responsibility. So when I say freedom beyond the rules, we have to get to the heart of the child. Because once we have focused on the relationship with that child, and we have captured their heart and kept their heart and nurtured their heart, then we have influence. But so many parents that I have talked with over the years, they have these rules and they worked. They worked really, really good and they're not working anymore. And the parents are still trying to 
make those rules work and they're getting further and further tension with that child. And I just want to step back and say, I've seen so many families destroyed at the hand of unbending rules. We establish the rules. We establish the limits. We establish the boundaries. Now, I'm not saying lying, stealing, cheating, all, you know, fighting, all those things. I'm not saying those are, we establish those. No, those are, those are just, those are the rules of life, so to speak. But we establish the rules of our home, so to speak, unless it violates God's principles, then we can examine the rule that we laid or the limits that we placed on our child or the boundaries and say, is there an area where we can say, you know what, this, there was a season, this was, this was needed in our home. And now we're going to adjust. Doesn't mean we are wishy-washy or all over the place or permissive. It just means that my responsible child, you know, the one who, who always is finished with their schoolwork early or the child who, who does, who doesn't have a pattern of lying to us or sneaking into the pantry and grabbing extra food or calling and saying, mom, I'm going to be 10 minutes late and they're 25 minutes late. But the child we know has that responsibility about them. Well, that child, we could re-examine when they say, you know, this curfew of 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. or whatever that curfew is, um, mom, could I, could I just have another 30 minutes? Or dad, can I have another hour? Yeah. Well, you know what? We can sit there and say, for you, yes. But for the child who has a habit of being irresponsible, you know what? I would love to give you that extra hour. I really would. But until I see this characteristic in you, this ability to manage your time, maybe even aspects of your time, or your ability to make sound judgments, until we see that a little more matured, we're going to need to say no. Now, here's what you can do to help us be able to say yes. Beautiful. Hey, Connie, that is so well put. That's what true relationship is, is knowing your child, each one, and that that relationship is more important than a rule. So that's a, a good place to transition to talking about your book. So could you, like, I love it. And I've already bought the copy, read it, marked it up and passed it on to the next person. So tell our listeners about the the. Parenting Beyond the Rules. It came from a place where I was nearing the end of my homeschooling journey. We homeschooled for 21 years, all five children. And I've been in the homeschool movement for now, I think it's 29 years now. But it came from uh, Tom and I worked with the teenagers uh, in our home. We would have Bible studies every week. And I would just listen to them, Vicki and Sabrina. I would listen to what they would say about what they wish they could talk to their parents about or struggles they were having. And I didn't think about it at, you know, during those years, I was just writing it down thinking, I want to be a better parent. So I'm going to listen to what these kids are saying. And then God just whispered in my mind, in my heart, saying, I want you to write. And the purpose behind this book is the teen years can be the most difficult. Society says, oh, the teen years. We hear that. Most parents just think I just got to survive. them. If I can just survive the teen years. And my, yes. yeah, and my attitude is, no, the teen years can be your absolute best because that's when that little human that you've been teaching and training every day starts to become that immature young adult who's trying to find their way and their voice and their purpose. So Parenting Beyond the Rules, I take parents through casting a vision for your family. You know, kids will go, they, they will follow you. And they will go if they have an idea of where it is that you're going. What's the what are we going to be like as a family? And I talk it. I talk in the book about casting a vision for your family, for your children. 
And it doesn't mean that your kids think, okay, I have to do this and this and this and this. It means, no, when you are this age, we're going to be having, we're going to do vacations together. We're going to go to the beach together because I'm in Florida. Or I just, I look forward to all these things and I would list them of what, what life will be like in that season of your adult life. You know, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be sharing stories about each other's lives and praying for each other. So I talk about casting a vision and then I emphasize understanding your child's world because it is very, very different. And we can see it in our climate right now. Our words have to be so measured today. One word can land you in a whole lot of trouble. Um, there's not a lot of grace in our society. There is not a lot uh, uh, for compassion or understanding or, yeah. you know, teens can't really be teens. I mean, they have to be many adults quickly because they can find themselves in trouble just for doing, you know, the things they were taught to do. And uh, even trying to stand their ground, they can be accused of things. So we have to understand their world. And when we dive into what their world is like, when we come along our child and they understand that we get what's going on to them, we understand that in 1.2 seconds, these kids are expected to answer a text message. And if they don't, these their friends or their peers um, can isolate them, cut them off, cut them down, start rumors about them. There's so much pressure on these children um, in our in our social media technology crazed world. So once we give them a vision, we understand we ha- understand what they are going through. You know, your shy, sensitive child is easily hurt because of you know comments that a best friend would make, or your bold leader may run over people and they wonder why they don't have any friends. Um, they start to trust us more when we say things. They sit there and they go, you know, mom hasn't. Mom gets it. She does understand. Or dad gets it. He does understand. And they start to share with you those those conversations that they mull over in the dark of the night when they're replaying their day or they're going over some of their fears and insecurity. And they invite us into their private thought. And when that happens, it is a beautiful thing because that's their most vulnerable time. And they know that if I let somebody into those thoughts, they have the they have the ability to do great harm and hurt or shame or guilt me when they invite you in and you listen which is another set another segment of the book listening to the words they have to say the meaning behind the words and then paying attention to the silent language which is the body language our children are speaking loudly are we paying attention to that and then instead of reacting, so I go through a lot of uh, how listening, what, what we need to do to listen and how to listen to them and, and listening so they can be heard. Because the two greatest needs besides food and water Absolutely. in our children's teens life yep. is to be heard and, and affirmed. They want to be heard and they want to be affirmed. We, you and I, I mean, we want to be heard and we want to be affirmed. That goes a long way. And, and so another chapter I talk about monitoring your mouth. It's what are the words coming out of our mouth? Are they reactionary or are they measured? And, you know, God talks to us a lot about, you know, the words we say can be soothing, can be healing, can be uplifting. They can be like a good medicine. They can also destroy. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can just kind of pop off with the first thing that comes out of our mouth and we rush to condemn or criticize or condone. And we fail to realize that child that I just, you know, gave them a piece of my mind. That was my sensitive child. And it cut them to the core. 
And now it's going to take me a while to kind of put ointment and soothe and bandages over that wound until they trust me again. Um, so that's the dynamics of a relationship. And obviously there's a lot more to it, but I kind of wanted to cover the highlights of that. I just want parents to realize that you can be building a relationship during the teen years. They're not a time for you to, to lament. They're not a time to survive. They're not, um, they're not just uh, uh, challenging everything about you because they're trying to make your life miserable. The homeschooling years with teens can be some of our best years because we get to watch them. We get a front row seat into watching them. And also it can be painful. And so when there is conflict, and I do talk about conflict resolution within relationships, there are active steps we can take because we are the adult. We are the ones with greater reasoning capabilities. We can get to the heart of what's really going on in our child, especially if they're struggling with insecurities or doubts or fears, you know, fears about their future, doubts that they have any skills at all. Um, They wrestle with all of those things. And for us to be those wise parents that step back, listen, watch what we say, keep affirming them and pointing them and painting pictures of possibilities that they are a masterpiece in the making. And they're not going to, they're not expected to be just like us. And they're not, they're not going to be just like their siblings. They are a one of a kind. And God uses imperfect moms and dads to shape, form, fashion, and help teach and train his children in the way they should go. That is so beautiful and so inspiring. And it so matches the heart of Sabrina and I and all the seven sisters is that relationships and the purpose and plans of God that the teen years are, are important in discovering. It's, it's all in the book. So it's Parenting Beyond the Rules by Connie Albers. And Connie, would you tell people how to find the book and how to connect with you. Yes, you can join me at ConnieAlbers.com. I'm also on social media with Connie Albers, Strengthening Families, um, Strengthening Families with Connie Albers on Facebook or just Connie Albers. Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. You can find the book at any major retailer. So you can order it through Target, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, uh, Christian Books Distributor. You can get it at Focus on the Family. You can get it through my website or on Amazon. So, um, you know, it's just really exciting, Vicki, to see how many families are being impacted yeah. by by this book because it offers hope and not just a formulaic one, two, three step that often can leave us frustrated. And I, and so I'm excited that it's it's pretty much everywhere parents um, do their shopping. Very good. Well, we're excited that we had the chance to talk with you about it. I was I was really impressed with the book. And I recommend anybody who picks up a copy also pick up a highlighter because there's a yeah. lot <laughs> worthy of highlighting in Connie's book. It's really, it's, it's not um, fluffy out there stuff to just think about. It's practical, but it's not formulaic. It's not just telling you do this, 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 and you get this guaranteed outcome. It's, right. it's that beautiful blending of real... Um, real life and the understanding behind it that brings about real wisdom in parenting. And so thank you very much for, for the book and also for the time with our listeners this morning, because um, I think it's really going to be a blessing to a lot of our sisters. Yes. Oh, ladies, thank you so much, Sabrina. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, I appreciate that very much. We are delighted to have you here today. And we're going to wrap it up, I think, Mm -hmm. for this one. 
So this has been the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com and brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Network. We'll see you next time.